I also want to flag and point out the fact that John was uh, distributing uh, Qurans to evangelicals, and uh, that looks a lot like evangelism to me, John. Listen, you don't know what? Like, I, you know, here's the thing. Would everybody? I'll just, I'm just. This is Crossing Phase, the podcast featuring a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. Your Crossing Phase co-hosts are me, Matt Hawkins, a once policy director for the Southern Baptist Convention, and my friend John Pinna former Director of Government and International Relations for the American Islamic Congress. Everything you need to know about us and follow us is available at crossingphase.com. And of course, if you're not already listening through one of these fabulous podcast outlets, we're available for your subscription at Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We have a special guest today, John. Uh, Why, before we announce his name, did you think it important to bring our friend on today? Why do you think it's important that any Muslim who who's out there should at least speak once with the highest evolution of, of Muslim, you know, me, you know, so, um, no, just kidding. I, um, I, you know, interfaith, uh, interfaith, uh, dialogue is, is one of my most important talking points when it comes to Islam. And so the, the multiple sects in Islam and the, and the, 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 the beauty, the multicultural, inter-ethnic, multicultural and intra-faith components of Islam are, you know, wonderful and beautiful and, and, you know, something to, to, um, that is part of the fabric of every, I think, religious community. But because of the monolithic look at and, and identity that people like to um, press, that narrative that we're monolithic, yeah. I think it's very important um, for the interfaith component to be elaborated on and looked at. Um, you know, there used to be a tradition in Islam, a tradition of of open debates, Greek, Greek jury style. There's a book called Peshawar Nights, which I've spoken about uh-huh. many times on the podcast. And where two Muslims could get together or a group of Muslims could get together and they can enter into a dialogue. Peshawar Nights is a Sunni and Shia meeting in Peshawar, uh, Pakistan. And and they, they debate uh, about Islam. They get into an argument and then and they, they in the, the, the traditional Islamic style, they discuss it in open forum, uh, their differences. Uh, and, and no one gets killed. Um, uh, so, um, the challenge is, is my, I've advocated that this doesn't happen, uh-huh. um, uh, like it, like, like it has happened in the past, this open dialogue, most of that, that most of what Muslims, the Muslim community does with the multi-faith community is, is interfaith, uh, dialogue where you get a Muslim and a Jew and, and a Christian and yeah. everyone gets on the dais and they say, this is what's going on, but you don't see a lot of panels of intra-faith Muslims, different Muslims from different sects discussing yeah. ish, their, their, their theological differences. Um, although Mustafa might disagree, disagree with me, uh, our guest, but, uh, but the, this is uh, the idea of, of, of bringing Muslims in to discuss some of the similarities, differences, and, and beauty yeah. of Islam. So, so that was the idea, that was the pitch to you, and, right. uh, and then I texted my friend uh, and, and colleague of, of 10 years now, and said maybe we can get uh, one of my cousins on on online. One of my some another member of the tribe on, and and get him here. So, of so course we do have this special guest. Yeah, and of course we've marketed this uh, podcast as a Christian and a Muslim talking religion and politics. And so uh, I figured it was about time, you know, now that we're into season two, that we have actually a real Muslim on the program, right? Well, it is. We do need a real Muslim, <laughs> and 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 our guest is you know part of the biggest you know tribe in in Shiism. So. Right. Um, 
you know, so I'm, you know, me, I'm just, you know, I wasn't Muslim until 2004 until we were accepted in the Amman conference. So, um, so I just like, I, I, there's still like the card, the card that I have that says you're a Muslim is still wet. (laughs) So I'm just waiting for, uh, so this is, he's the real deal, you know, we can, you know, so we can, I'm pretty sure we can, there's not much that we can stump him on. So with that said, our special guest is Mustafa Akwan. He is the founder and executive director of an organization named Shia Rights Watch. He's worked as an advisor for a number of different nonviolence organizations, such as Free Muslim. And Mustafa holds a bachelor's from my own alma mater, George Mason University. He's actually studied conflict analysis and resolution at GMU. Uh, I didn't major in that uh, segment, but I took a couple classes is related to that. So we have uh, some overlapping academic interests there. And he founded Shia Rights Watch in 2011. It's a one-of-a-kind organization dedicated to humanitarian rights of Shia Muslims. So we're going to get into the founding of that organization and, and what it does. But Mustafa, first off, welcome to Crossing Phase. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me. And uh, obviously, you you know John uh, from years back, and you and I collaborated from time to time on Capitol Hill, uh, looking for ways to advance international religious freedom. So I I can attest that we've worked together uh, from time to time, and appreciate the the spirit and and insight that you've given me into uh, uh, the plight of uh, Shias who are persecuted around the world. So we're going to talk more about that. Uh, So uh, tell us, uh, tell our listeners, where are you from? Where did you grow up? And uh, uh, and uh, we'll, that'll get us started. Well, that's that's need a long story, and I don't think it will uh, <laughs> take this podcast because uh, I I would I was born in Iraq. I'm from uh, Iraqi father, Iranian mother. Uh-huh. Uh, lived all around the world due to many issues. Uh, majority of them through the work that my father does as a scholar mm-hmm. and being marginalized and discriminated against in different countries. So we lived all around the world and we found the PC in the United States and I've been here for the past uh, 18 years. Yeah. And uh, what were you seeing in uh, around 2010 or 2011 that uh, inspired you to start a whole organization uh, dedicated to Shia rights? Well, the issue uh, that we saw when we started the organization was that, you know, uh, obviously, Shia were marginalized and discriminated against for a long time. Uh-huh. But the issue was, not, at first, no one had enough knowledge about who are the Shia. And then the countries and the states actors and non-state actors who were prosecuting the Shia due to their religion, they kept everything silenced. And the Shia were not talking about the issues. And no. the world was silenced in regard for that for so for that reason, we came up and said, let's step in and see what we can do and how we can enlighten people of what is exactly going on around the world, you know, rather than being silent. Can you give our listeners an example of what persecution looks like uh, for a Shia community? Um, just an example of a particular country and what, what the challenges are for a Shia there. So we are a minority in minority uh, in, in the you know, Islamic faith, mm-hmm. uh, and in, in general in different countries. Uh, the discrimination in different countries is very, for example, in Pakistan, you have systematic killing of the Shias. Uh, majority of the people who are getting killed, either are they are lawyer or doctor, 
or the one who can, uh, you know, uh, have a talk with the government or with the different, uh, you know, community and the society. You have in Bahrain, it's a random uh, rest of the people, sexual abuse, uh, children abuse, the uh, children in prison, women in prison. You have in Saudi Arabia, uh, which is the kind of king of this discrimination and spreading that. Uh, and I know John is talking about that a lot in your podcast. Uh, is uh, they are uh, attacking the Shias, they uh, preventing Shias from they having their own court of law. They having uh, they preventing uh, Shia to have their own education. And in the in the textbooks, there is a lot of ways to uh, marginalize the Shia. Yeah, and saying that she are not the Muslims and they have to be prosecuted. Uh, recent event of it was in ISIS. ISIS was uh, slaughtering and killing the Shia women mm-hmm. and children among the Christians and Yazidis. But the, the difference was that they were selling the, the uh, they were selling the Yazidi women yeah. in different parts of Iraq. But when it comes to the uh, Shia women, they were burning them alive and saying that they are not worth even selling. Mm. Uh, this this is the recent event, and I can go on 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 in regard of those different uh, uh, prosecution and discrimination in every country. Yeah. So you're you're saying, for example, the uh, to just to underscore um, in the in the rise of ISIS, some of what was happening in Iraq was uh, Shia women being treated worse even than uh, Christians and Yazidis. Is that Definitely. Definitely. And what we saw of that, that treatment uh, was horrific. Well, look, if I Google right I now, it. if I Google ISIS persecution of Muslims, the first thing that comes up is persecution of Christians by ISIS. Okay, yeah. that's what comes up. The most persecuted pe- people by ISIS were Muslims. Period. And in, and, and, Shia, and in Shia in particular, but, but they, I mean, the work that was done to help the Christian and Yazidis, which obviously need to be done, sure. But uh, that work wasn't done toward the Muslims, and particularly in Shia. And and, and it's worth it's worth saying it's worth saying. And I, you know, and I know that the 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 the, 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 the entities that, that that beat ISIS were the Kurds and were Shia militia. There was very little U.S. forces in in Iraq, right, in in, in Syria. You know, ha- hammering hammering ISIS. I mean, there were advisors or special operation forces, but the bulk of the forces were Shia militias, and 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 the Kurds. So so that you have these pers that the most pers. So think about this from a just from an a, a, an identity and community component. So we got this whole thing of you know we don't want to. It's not a competition, and no one wants to win the race. But if it was a competition. And we would win as far as right. pers- being persecuted, right, by ISIS, and as Shia. That's one. Two is is that we're the ones that, that that fought and beat ISIS, you know, and and then from there. But then we we don't have that identity where we are accepted as being part of that persecuted group. Although we do have the genocide de- designation, that genocide, the genocide with uh, uh, in in Iraq designation. Nation. We do have that, but it was hardly fought. It was yeah. hard fought to win it. Um, but even still, if I, I ISIS persecution Muslims, Google, boom, first one is first thing comes up: persecution of Christians by ISIS. That's what comes up. Yeah. Mustafa, were, Mustafa, were you? Uh, I, I get the sense, and I, I obviously John gets the sense, and it's my sense that uh, persecution and uh, particularly even 
as something as high level and as uh, mainstream knowledge as the ISIS um, uh, problem is, the persecution of Shia probably didn't get enough press or probably didn't get near the press that Yazidis and Christians did. Is that a fair analysis? Yes, yes, definitely. And what what are some of the outlets, like if, if someone wanted to read up on the atrocities that have been committed against the Shia uh, what's a good, credible source for people to go go read? I mean, obviously, I would I would tell you that Shia Rights Watch. Uh, well, well uh, we are proud to have it, the biggest database on those violations, uh, you know, uh, yeah. uh, on the web. But uh, we have to understand, you know, if if you really want to uh, to look at the violation and discrimination, you have to understand the culture of that religion as well. Uh, in many of those, you know, Shia cultures, especially because the Iraq and Syria, there was a lot of Shia tribes, and you know, those are tribunal uh, countries. Do you see that a lot of those violations are not even, you know, uh, reported? So some of those cases you cannot even talk about it. Or we had cases that we went and sat down with the families and talked about the issue that happened. But the head of the tribe was telling us that you are not allowed to take this one outside this tribe because it was a shame for them to see that, you know, uh, the, the one woman was sexually abused and taking that and saying that, you know, highlighting those. So they, sometimes the tribes, they don't allow you to talk about those violations. Hmm. It is, it's, it's, you know, it's safe to say that sometimes the tribunal law is, you know, take over the, the religion in some of those aspects of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's the internal mechanism, right? When you're talking about the tri- tribal stuff, but I mean, there's, look, there, you know, there, I, there's been this, this movement about most persecuted because whoever's the most persecuted gets the most funding, right? And then, and, you know, something that you and I have spoken about and, and that what I was big advocate about was, this whole, this whole idea of the establishment of a Christian community in the Middle Plateau, right? So, you know, this this is a perfect example of you know Christians say they're most persecuted, and the, the 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 elders of international religious freedom, which I am passionate that religious freedom is on the decline, and the reason part of the reason why it's on the decline and it's been steadily on the decline for 20 years since the passage of the International Religious Freedom Act of 1998 is because the elders haven't stewarded international just freedom appropriately and this is when this is when matthew goes oh god and and the organizations <laughs> aren't really doing it but what happens right the, the nineveh plateau there's a christian community that's going to be established there there's funding from the u.s government to make it happen and what does that do it's extracting christians from all over the middle east and the taking the displaced ones and 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 dumping them right in the middle of the nineveh plateau in a fortified position with brand new housing which creates the environment of this of 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 a of a of the separation of communities where the communities were integrated before and so yeah. we have internally in our communities tribal and we have tribal and also cultural nuances right you and i talk all the time and what's the first thing i say well i can say it because i don't have family in jeopardy in in country right, right. so i can i'm the guy who's who's always advocating for different things and calling people out in different countries because i don't have family in, in this country mustafa does yeah. you know mustafa has family all over the place i mean and, and the people that are my family most of them wouldn't admit that they know me. so <laughs> so the, <laughs> well the we certainly is, understand that john yeah of course i mean that goes without <laughs> say right so um so you, you're in our communities 
we have the problem. If we speak out, then our families will get hit. A friend of mine advocates for uh, specific communities in Pakistan, Nan Mustafa, and his his family is under duress in Pakistan now. Mm. Um, and, you know, his mother's there, you know, and sisters and stuff like that. So so he he could only say so much. So I become a conduit to, to speak on behalf of that community. Um, they happen to be Tibetan Muslims. So Muslims that are of Tibetan descent. Right. So they were they were Buddhists at one point. Um, but cult, but ethnically, they're Tibetan uh, in the Northern Territories. So there's these all these nuances within our community, culturally and and tribally and and even politically, sociopolitically, where we have to worry about, okay, do we do we do we ring the bell on on persecution or what's going on? and do we who do we report to? And if so, will anybody notice? And sometimes a lot of times it's the person that shouts the loudest who gets the gets the gets the money or gets gets noticed. And sometimes we can't shout that loud. But when it comes to specifically Iraq, we know the numbers. We know who was persecuted and for what. And the reality is, is that we were all in the same boat with ISIS. ISIS is not Islam. They're a cult. And uh, and, and they specifically were targeting everyone that wasn't them. So it wasn't like, oh, you're Muslim. That's great. Oh, Shia, no problem. No problem. But I do think that this is an important part to talk about Takia. Because I get this all the time from people, and Mustafa, you know, he's, you know, he's the real deal Muslim. So, <laughs> well, I get, I get. Let, let's what? talk about that. Just uh, kind of the high points before, uh, if you want to put a pin in that thought right there before you go, uh, let's talk just a little bit about uh, Mustafa's faith and and your faith, John. What what are kind of the the highlight differences uh, between uh, Mustafa's tribe and your tribe? Well, <laughs> uh, okay, okay. I mean, it's, look, essentially, so essentially, we are. So, I, I don't even know how to how to, how to walk well, those. We'll start start out, the, the main difference to get started. Main difference between Sunni and Shia are we follow the bloodline, yeah, and yeah. we follow the bloodline to the end of days, right? So, all right, do you want me to do, do? I can teach you about the difference between Sunni and Shia in thirty seconds. Go. All right, about three minutes. Three minutes, roughly, well, just under three minutes. We don't have three so, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> No, three, three, zero, three yeah, just three. Um, really easy. I mean, and, and Mustafa can weigh in on me on this one. So, uh, you know, peace be upon let's everyone. See this, let's see if this, we disagree on that one as well. Yeah, there you <laughs> go. Well, let's see, this is this is this is the critical point of whether or not we're all yeah. going to agree on this because you talk to two Muslims, you're going to get seven opinions. So here's the thing. So, all right. So peace upon, peace be upon everyone and their family. So here you have Mohammed. Mohammed has. Muhammad has his daughter. His daughter marries his cousin, Ali. Muhammad also has a best friend, Abu Bakr, who takes over the prayer times. When he's on caravan, he's doing, uh, he takes over, he's he's stewarding the community. At a place called Gulamkal, which is like a, like a, like an oasis. Muhammad says, when I, when I, when I pass on, it's going to go to the cousin, Ali, who's married to the daughter. Muhammad gets sick. He passes away. And there's about half the community goes, well, I'm not sure he said it right. And the half that goes with the best friend becomes Sunni. The other half that goes with Ali ends up being Shia. And and it's basically out of Abu Bakr, you get four schools of jurisprudence. And out on the Shia side from Ali, you get essentially four different 
different schools that follow the different bloodlines that that are descendants from Muhammad. Yeah, that's generally how I explain it. Mustafa's going to laugh because he's a religious scholar and everything else. And he's like, <laughs> but but no, I, no, I'm, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not the religious scholar. I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm a, you know, I pretend to be a Muslim. I can say that because uh, there, is, there is a lot of things that I don't really practice as well. But the thing is, no, you, you wrap it up uh, kind of very short. Yeah, sure. We can we can, you know, agree on that. Uh, so, so Mustafa, Mustafa and I follow the bloodline, and so we've we, but he follows to the twelve, and I follow about halfway through. That's essentially the difference between the two of us, you know. So, and and when he grows out his beard, it's beautiful. <laughs> he he does have an impressive beard. <laughs> so he, he he cut his beard because I was making so many comments about it. I made him feel uncomfortable. Oh. No, the, the the thing is that the John uh, Joker, uh, you know, about all the time uh, and. And I heard that a couple of times in your podcast is that, oh, I was only accepted in what, 2010, you said, John, and 2004? Well, 20, 2004 was when the yeah. conference okay. occurred. Okay. Yeah, that's that's where you were accepted uh, in the uh, Sunni uh, I mean, uh, faith that you are a Muslim. Correct. But uh, with, with, the, with the Shia, uh, you know, uh, with the Shia uh, faith, uh, we... We accept Bohra's Ismailis and the others to be in a to be in a first of all to be in a Shia and then being a Muslim or being a Muslim and being a Shia as, uh, as well. That's true. Yeah, the diff- uh, then then is it become to the different uh, beliefs that you know Shia twelve versus believe at twelve Imam, uh, but the Ismailis you know they don't uh, they don't accept that the Prophet was the last. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, uh, you know, uh, John, because I might have it. Uh, Small information of Ismailis as well, uh, but uh, the, that the prophet is not the last prophet, and there is there is a uh, there is prophet is coming, which you know we had Al Khan and the others that uh, right now following for that. So that is you can you can it's safe to well, say that. So the, so, so what what are you saying? You're saying that that, that Ismailis don't believe in the last that the, in the last prophet that said the the Mo was the last prophet. Is that what you're saying? No no no, no, no I didn't say that. Oh okay. I'm, yeah. I'm like. What? What are you talking about here? So, so well, well, hold on. Let's let's take a step back. So, on the assessment, just Sunni Shia difference, we blew we blew through that really fast. You're generally in agreement, right? We we don't want to get into the schools of jurisprudence yeah. with yeah. The, on the yeah. Shia, on right. the Sunni yeah. side, right? We, all right. So, so I, but I, but I couldn't be as eloquent as you are on this one. Why don't you walk them through the twelve imams and the critical point of where? we are different from from you guys so that that might be that might be helpful you know essentially in, in the, the ismaili historically we come out of the fatimid period which is you know roughly about the, the 1060s right and mm-hmm. and and we felt that the islamic enterprise was going off the rails mm-hmm. so the fatimid empire the golden age of islam is uh, started in Cairo with the Fatimid uh, Fatimid Kingdom, and then the Fatimid kings uh, and, and, and caliphs ended up going a little bit off the rails. And there was a decision that we need to get the enterprise back on track. Um, so we became a martial clan, and uh, uh, and and established a base in what is now Iran uh, in a place called Alamut, and had a series of of hill forts all throughout the Middle East. Historically, that's the difference, right? 
um, um, that's that's the break from from my sect. Uh, uh, the challenge is is that is that the 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 Shia community evolved, but fundamentally before that, fundamentally there's a difference in how w- once that we look at the descendants of of Muhammad. When we look at the descendants, it's it's it starts with Ali and it goes t- plus twelve or plus eleven, and then but there's there's uh, there's a there's there's certain events that happen between specifically between one and six, and maybe you could walk us through that real fast, and that oh, would be almost the difference to between you and me and on our theological and b- belief system how it because because there's fifty thousand different sects of of, of evangelicals and. No one, no one really knows. And there's more being invented every day. That's right. So That's true, right? And and you know, and even if you have a PhD in Christian evangelicalism, um, they can't tell you what's going on because it's so amorphous, right? So, um, well, I mean, the snake handlers—they they, you know. So, uh, so the question is, what, like, how would you describe that? The the when someone says, "What do you mean by the descendants of of Muhammad?" What would you say? How would you describe it? So that so that for for Christians and Jews and non-Muslims to understand it, I, I want I'm trying to think of how how to say it that you know someone who doesn't exactly know about Islam can understand it. Let's 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 make it very simple. If you're a leader and you're leaving your position, uh, you will put the, uh, you will put the, someone uh, to uh, rule or lead after you. You know I'm I'm trying to make it very simple. Uh, Shia believed that the Prophet, when he was dying, he put Ali as his successor. The cousin. Uh, uh, married to, married, yeah, son-in-law married to yeah. his daughter. Son-in-law. Yes. Yeah. Uh, uh, then the Sunni is saying that, no, he didn't say anything, and we have to go to the council, and the council uh, will uh, uh, decide who can be a leader after that. Which they say that the Abu Bakr, you know, Osman and Omar were their one companion of, of Prophet, and uh, that's why uh, they have to be the first who ruled uh, in the after Prophet. Uh, then Ali become a fifth fifth caliph, the fourth caliph. Sorry. So uh, then uh, that's 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 the beginning. Of it. Then you have uh, after those caliph. Uh, or, you know, ruled. Ali was the one who uh, was uh, uh, ruling the country, which, which by uh, every mean you can see that during the time of Ali, there was a peace, peace all around the country. And uh, I, I really encourage people who like to understand what what is the Shia and how they are ruling and how they are believing in different things. There is a book called Nahjul Balagha. Uh, there's a 200 some uh, sermon in that they can they can look at it and see uh, how Imam Ali, as we call it, was uh, telling his companion and the, and the uh, leader of different cities and countries to rule the country and deal with the people. He's talking about the justice, talking about the peace. Uh, again, the book name is Nahjul Balagha. It's very a very very nice book to to read. To just get the understanding, and we all love to read about different issues and different aspects. So that's uh, uh, that's one thing that you know uh, they can they can get some sense of what is the Shia belief. Uh, then you have after uh, Imam Ali was assassinated in the mosque, uh, 
Maide. I mean, uh, however I talk about it, it's going to be a shit series. So don't don't take it different ways. Just just listen to it as simple as I can get. Ali was killed by this Ali, uh, who believed that uh, he, uh, Ali should not be a caliph. Uh, then become his son, Hassan, become uh, a successor, and he become a leader of the uh, of the uh, Islam, of which the division was happening. That the Moabia at that time, the king of that time, was saying that you know I'm the ruler, and here is the different come. Shia believe that the jurisprudence and the scholars are the one who can interpret interpret Islam, mm-hmm. but the Sunni believes whoever who become a leader of the country is the one who ruling, and his word can be the one we can follow. It doesn't matter what he believe. It doesn't matter what is, how you know how is his religion, as long as he is ruling, we can follow that. Which you see that until now, you know, uh, if you look at right now, as Al Azhar is the one who's talking about uh, uh, Islam in Egypt, but still the countries like Saudi Arabia, Bahrain, and the others who are ruling the country are the ones who's speaking about Islam. Which all this crazy stuff is happening right now. But then we, you know, you need another broadcast for that. Mm-hmm. Then you have after Hassan was killed, you have, and every single imam that we had as the Twelvers, uh, eleven of them, because the twelve one we believe is coming back with Messiah, uh, uh, with Jesus. Uh, every single one of them was assassinated. Mm-hmm. You have Hassan after you know uh, Imam Ali, which is son. Then his brother Hussein. Hussein was killed in battle of Karbala. That right now you see, still until now, people people are more that death because the same ways that he was executed, assassinated, you know, slaughtered is happening right now. ISIS did the same thing to the Shia, did that one to the Sun, uh, to the Sunnis, did that one to the Yazidis and the Christians. Mm-hmm. The same same mechanism that was done. Then you have his son. When after he was killed, uh, then you have his son. So uh, one after another were, were uh, you know coming and leading the Islam. Then the division after his son began, you know, uh, which we call it four imamis, and then you have a five imamis, then you have six imamis, who each it, uh, the division or they have, and you have Ismailis, one of them that they were divided from the. Uh, I mean, not that divided. They take, they take different paths of, of understanding and uh, leading. Mm-hmm. John, you want to jump in? Well, I, you know, it's the highest evolution of Islam. You know, we, you know, we, we just we get it. You know, so no, so I would describe him as a tw- I would describe Mustafa as a twelver because mm-hmm. he follows to the twelfth Imam. We about midway through there was a dispute between the oldest who should take over between the oldest and the youngest son, and and we we believed. Uh, uh, that we should follow the bloodline uh, of the oldest, and we, and so that's where the break comes. So, so right at the at the sixth imam, where we 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 deviate, sure. um, and and so we still believe in all the same same stuff. We the the only difference is one of the major differences is that as twelvers that go they go plus six right they go to the end and they believe in the Mahdi right the Mahdi's coming at the end of times so, you know we all you know so so with Hazadisa, right? So that's happening. But we have, like, they have Ayatollahs, 
right? So that so so Mustafa will have like a guy that he goes to uh-huh. that 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 interprets the word like a like a pope, and we have the same thing except for we call it the living imam. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the Aga Khan, but he's not a prophet. He's just yeah. he's like an intercessor for the, to interpret the word for the present day. Yeah. Is, is and Ismailis have we have a we have a whole layer of interpretive books which the Twelvers don't necessarily agree with, but yeah. but and we don't have to get into the jinn as an all business, but we can but and what they are. But the point is is that we believe in in the in the interpretation of the word and the hidden word. And we get into this if you start going in down the down the road of mysticism and yeah. ritual and this esoteric stuff that essentially Twelvers are 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 much more cut and dry and and much more they're much more clear cut when it comes to interpret interpretation okay. of the Quran and and the, the Sunnah and the Hadith they're, they have um, they're much more um, they, they deal much more in the in the in the literal interpretation rather than going any deeper if, although you can be a Twelver and be a Sufi which get in gets into that it gets into the, some of the esoteric stuff, but I don't think a 12 or whatever say a 12 or couldn't go into being saying I'm, I'm a 12 or and, and in Ismaili as well, they wouldn't because it, it, it completely de- deconstructs the, the evolution from the sixth imam. So, so it's like, it's, I, I'm trying to think of how it, how it is, but I'm sure you have, you know, you have Richard land, right. And then you have Jesus <laughs> and I'm sure there's dudes between Richard land and Jesus. Like, well, yeah, like there's a, there, there's a there's like Luther, and then you got like who's the guy Calvin, and imagine if, if like right at Calvin you stopped right, right. as a as a as a as an evangelical I sure. you know you just stopped and said we're not going any further, and then Cal anybody who's Calvin addressed as being the the, the family that it, that it becomes a living among living among yeah, yeah, the yeah. person that interpret the word that's where I'm at right sure and whereas Mustafa is would go all the way to like someone you know farther down the road and i'm just using richard land as an example because i don't sure. really know all the people but uh, richard land you know as like the end the end and but we're still of the same faith yeah, yeah uh believing in the bloodline we still believe in the same essentially texts like i, I was saying peshawar nights and that's that's a sexy shia text you know everybody right. all shia know it you know okay. and if they don't that you know they've all read it and and more or less, am I am I wrong, Mustafa? You, you read it, right? No, no, no. no, no, no. Okay, all right, all right. Because I because I'm saying it, I'm like, yeah, like we're, I, we're, I don't know. We're trying to create analogs here, uh, right, for comparison and understanding. That that's good. Right. So so there's you know part of the challenge. So, you're, so all, John, John's still hung up on uh, on number six, and uh, and Mustafa has uh, carried on uh, all the way to number twelve. That's right. That's I'm a fair. Calvinist, and he's a Richard Landian. I, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure the parallels really work out. But, uh, Richard Lane was uh, formerly my boss and a Southern Baptist uh, official of the public policy agency that I used to work for. And uh, on the one hand, I think he'd be honored that his name uh, rests so prominently uh, relative to someone like Calvin. At the same time, he'd be super aggravated that uh, he he's in the same conversation as Calvin because he is most distinctly not a Calvinist. So for my evangelical friends but that's, and Baptist friends, you guys are going to kick exactly. out of this. <laughs> But, the, but that's exactly what Mustafa would think. You know, right. I, I okay. think, I, yeah, you know, yeah. like we joke around about the difference in our sects and it's, it, it, you know, in Shiism, yeah, we're, we're, we're part of the same family. We're cousins. If, you know, we're not going to split hairs on the differences and we're all, 
we're all embattled by by right. because we're religiously persecuted. When I deal with the, I, I honestly with the Twelver community, I've never really been persecuted. I mean, I there was there was a time when I was converted in an absentia by 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 some Twelvers, but but that was funny. I, I was like, okay, so I you know so I, I uh, but but aside from that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I think the, um, yeah, I think the last time that the Ismaili were prosecuted, I mean, recent years, it was in Saudi Arabia a couple of years ago. Right. Well, right. So, I mean, we're on our heels. We're on our. We were on our heels in the last ten years with in Pakistan when they were burning to Matkonas. Um, you know, that's a, that's another difference that we we don't call them master and mambargas. We don't call them. Uh, uh, we call them Jamat Konas are our places of worship. Yeah. So so they were being burned in Pakistan in, Chit- in the Chitral Valley in the last ten years. Mm. And then you know the Saudis are passionate about you know picking a group and then hammering them. So, because they're essentially the keeper of the keys, right? With when it comes to Mecca. So, um, uh, so yes, yeah, Saudis that get hit, but we, we essentially, the Israeli population is because of the Aga Khan network, because of the Aga Khan community, um, and what we do international with international development, we're, 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 I would say we're, we're pretty much accepted as being, as not being, and not being, per, and we're not persecuted generally. Um, Twelvers have a different, have a different song and dance. Um, completely, uh, because we're we're also the the fact that we were recognized by the Sunnis for so long as being Muslim, it kept us really on the outside, really persecution to yeah. a certain degree from outside groups. But from the Sunnis, it, every once in a while they would pick on us, and and we would we would move away. Uh, have to you know figure out who we are and what we're about, and and then you know you know bunker hunker down and, yeah. and bunker up. So I and, I have a question I want to follow up on the on the Sunni stuff, but um, first, so for you, John and Mustafa, being a religious minority in North America and understanding that mosques are few and far between. Would would you both go to Friday prayers at the same mosque or not? How, how does that work? Uh, say, if John, you're in Mustafa's neighborhood, and uh, or or vice versa. How does that work? We would go. To, we would, I, I would go I to twelve mosques. Christians, you know, they go to different churches. We go to different mosques. That doesn't is not is not that uh, you know you have to have you have to be in the same uh, church or same mosque. You, if mm-hmm. in one area you have four or five mosques, different people go to different mosques. Sure. That doesn't mean, yeah. That doesn't mean there is a difference between that. And on the regard of the mosque and those issues, we don't have no problem. Uh, yes, you might go to the mosque, and some people look at you while you are praying differently. Uh-huh. John, John's, that's, ex- that's, John's experienced that. He's told us a little bit about that. That happens yeah. all the time. I go to a Shia mosque. Yeah, I go to twelve. Yeah, I go to twelve mosque in but, in Silver Spring, and there, and the guy always says. You're not praying right, and I'm like, who, who, you know, who died and made you the Salah police? You know what I mean? Like, who, you know? And he, 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 and this is my, and my friend does it because he gets embarrassed, and I'm like, come on. But, but generally, I would go to a, a I would go to a, a, a twelver mosque. But there's not as much as many Jamaat Khanas out there, and I, and probably, I don't know. Would you feel uncomfortable walking into a JK, Mustafa? No, no. I mean, Texas, I mean, they're No, the thing is, I've been everywhere. Uh, if you're talking about the U.S., you don't have that issue because you have, have your rights. I mean, no one will disrespect you because of your rights. You can't, you know, you can't call the authorities and say, hey, I'm getting discriminated. The issue is not in the U.S. The issue is somewhere else. If I'm going to the, one of those uh, Middle Eastern countries and I'm, I'm praying as a Shia way, I would I get a lot of issues. Not, not, not all the time. Not recently, 
but it, it was something that you know it was it was hard for me to pray in some places and i could see some people and it's not not everyone i can tell you that it's not everyone you have everywhere you have one or two guys who are crazy <laughs> uh but is 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 very important to understand that when it comes to the Ismailis, Bohras, and others, and in the Shia side, when we are around, all around each other, we not. I'm I'm not there saying, hey, you know, John, you are Ismaili. No, yeah, we don't yeah. do that. I mean, well, we well, joke around well, a lot. I joke around a lot because, but but even if, if even certainly they are not when they are among themselves, they don't say, hey, you are Hanafi, you are Shafi. They don't talk like that. They, you know, that's difference is not coming up. But when it comes to the different issues, then like like a Shia going to the Sunnis or the Sunni coming to the Shias, uh, that intention happened. Mm-hmm. But but you know, to be honest, that intention is not in I mean in the West you don't see it that much. Uh everyone is accepting. Uh but when you go to the countries that they are fueled that differences, obviously the difference is there. There is there is a lot of people having a different understanding which doesn't here is the issue come you know to my christians brothers and sisters is that when don't listen it's very important to see that you don't have to look at the media you have to read and we are we are we are a culture of of you know educated people we have to read and see exactly what's going on yeah i mean if anything happened i don't say that hey matt did that because he's christian I say Matt did because he, I'm, I'm, I'm using you, Matt. <laughs> you know? Sure, go for uh, it. And Matt did it because he has a different view, right? We, we never, I, I, I never heard that saying that someone did something wrong because that person was Christian. They say, oh, this person has some issue uh, and personal issue. But when it comes to this, oh, we are, I don't know why we are using that. We said, oh, the Shia guy did that or Sunni guy did that. Yeah. Well, look at look at the look at the recent attack in te- was it the Texas? The guy attacked the, the church, right? And and was that Texas? It was in Texas, right? And then the guy and then they killed the guy, right? Was that was that Texas, Matthew? The recent yes. attack in a, in a place of worship. Yeah, yeah. No one said, oh, this he he wasn't Muslim, so they didn't mention his religion. You see what I mean? So yeah. that, you know they didn't yeah. say. They didn't say, "Oh, a Christian, a Christian assaulted a, 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 his a church, another Christian church." And you know, if he was Catholic or he was raised something, they didn't they didn't dial in on that. They didn't mention his. Remember, we when I sent you the article, I go, they didn't mention his religion at all. And what did we say? Well, we got to wait. We got to see if he if he if 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 he was Muslim or not. And that's the problem. It's like if it's a Muslim that does something, it's automatically his religion. But if it's some other guy, there's people committing crimes all over the United States. No one mentions their religion. Uh, if they're not Muslim, and that's the weird thing is that, and that's what you're getting at, Mustafa, right? Because that's what I say yeah. all the time. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, I mean, and then they have the other thing. Like I, when I was in the Alexa Mosque, and you know, Temple, the Dome of the Dome of the Rock, guests of the, the the Israelis, it was a wonderful experience. Never thought I'd be able to go. The, I started slotting out. I forgot. I started slotting out Shia style, and like it before I before I knew it. I had four people telling me, I was, what are you doing? You're not praying right. And that could have escalated real fast. Am I wrong, Mustafa? Into a shit show. Yeah, depend depend how you act to it. I mean, people come to me and say, hey, brother, this is not the way you, you're supposed to pray. I said, I pray my way, you pray your way. Right. I mean, uh, 
I can ex escalate it to something else, but that's that's not the way I I can talk to. Uh, right, but but you know that it could it could easily like I I would be honest with you, the safest country that I've the country that I've always been in where that where I've I could pray any I could pray Shia style any time was Afghanistan. I mean, I was in Afghanistan when we were when we were, you know we'd be at a restaurant we'd be anywhere we'd go to the we'd go to the mosque we I could pray Shia style and no one ever no one even said a comment no one even. Said, that anything to me ever, and that's never happened to me in a in a, in a Muslim country, um, a Sunni dominated country. Yeah. It's never happened. And Afghanistan is not dominated by Shia, right? That's your, that's no, your point. No, no. I mean, there's a Sunni dominated. Yes, uh, it's a Sunni. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I was, I was shocked, and I, and and the guys, and no one cared. Um, uh, but but yeah, so, because 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 there is a lot of intermarriage. There is a lot of right. culture uh, connection between those people. They. You know, Afghanistan is one of the countries. Iraq, what Iraq was like that before, was that it doesn't matter what is your religion. You are, you know, you are my guest, and you have the utmost respect. Uh, I don't care what is your religion. If you come into my house, you know, uh, practice your religion as as way you want, but you are my guest. That was that was the teaching of it. Right now. Everything changed because a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of politics involved with it. There's a lot of issues that we are just uh, different, you know, uh, people feeling different thing. But the reality is it was, it was different. And that's come to the, to, to the way of treating different people. Uh, we, we come to, from, the, from the cultures and from the religion. That, this is always, I say to my friends, no matter what is the religion. I said during the prophet time, there was the Christians, there was the Jewish, there were atheists, they were practicing their whatever they were practicing. Yeah. If, they, if they were people of faith, they were practicing the religion. And yeah. the prophet, being a prophet at that time, he had the, the most power to do whatever he wanted, right? Yeah. Why he didn't? Why he didn't tell the Christians that you have to cover it? Why he didn't tell the Jewish that you are wrong? Why he didn't tell the atheists that you are wrong? He didn't, he didn't do that. Why it comes that the, we interpret something different right now and we try to tell people that, hey, you are wrong. If, he, if, we are, if we are following the prophet, we have to follow the prophet in every single aspect of his life. Yeah. So you're well, let me let me hear you, uh, Mustafa, kind of translate a bit. Is it sounds like you're one to say in Christian circles, we would say we want to go back to the text. Like what, what in our case, what is Jesus's words? What are Paul's words? And uh, what do we draw from that? And where do they remain silent on issues that we might need one on issues that are specified? Uh, then we want to hold close to those. But on issues that maybe are alluded to or aren't precisely said or aren't mentioned at all, we want to hold more lightly. Is that a similar stance for, for you? Mm, uh, relative uh, relative well, to the, the prophet? We, we go into the text. Yeah, we, we go into the text on the, on the prophet. We go into the Quran, but uh, according to the Shia uh, teaching is that the Quran and, and uh, uh, the one who prophet appointed to be interpreting the Quran. Yeah. This, is, this is what the difference come right now. Jihad, you know, I don't know if we want to talk about this right now in this podcast or not. The t jihad has a different meaning between the Shia and Sunnis. Uh -huh. And the jihad has a different meaning when the Christian look at it. Right. You know, I, according to my belief and my understanding and, you know, the, the Shia that I know is that the 
jihad being sacrificed. Right. So if man going outside his house and doing the work, coming back home, he's doing the jihad. Yeah. But for some people, if they interpret it different, that would mean different thing. So is that you can you look at the text, but look at the interpretation as well. So well, who is well, it? But we also don't editorialize. So there's requirements to read the Quran, you know, you know, uh, uh, front to back on an mm -hmm. annual basis, right? So, so uh, everyone knows about Ramadan. You're supposed to read the Quran at least at least once through the through Ramadan, right? And so that the thing is, is that I, and we, I just remember I was just at an evangelical church. I just went to the services over Christmas, right? Um, and I was just talking with a few people and they were talking, well, the Quran says this, the Quran says this, the Quran says that. I go, okay, has anybody ever read it? And it was the first thing I said, has anybody ever read the Quran? And they were like, no. So then I'm, you know, so this is the problem, right? So, so, so then I'm buying the Qurans, I'm giving them to people and they're, and I'm like, you know, you three read the Quran, right? And so they start, so one, one, one of the people is always, is almost through with it. And she was like, I said, so what do you think about Islam? Like I wasn't coaching her. I didn't walk her through it. There was no Bible study, you know, Quran study. I just sat down and I just gave it to her and, and said, can you, can you know, read it? She's now come back to me. She goes, I, she goes, everybody should just read the Quran. It's not, it's all about Moses and Jesus. I go, yeah, <laughs> Mary is a whole chapter on Mary, you know, you know, there's a whole chapter on her, you know? And, and, and so. So and a lot of stuff. Everyone has to do it, John. I, I was in, I was in Utah. I went to the Mormon uh, church and uh, I asked them for their book. And I was like, "Can I can you give me one of your books? I, I you know, I want to read it." And they were so excited. Oh, you are trying to uh, you know convert? I said, "No, it's not. I was being converted to anything. <laughs> it's just that I I have I wanted to read your book and see what you are saying and understand it." Yeah, because well, I, I had to educate myself. Because I'm living in the society that there is a lot of people, you know, there is a lot of religion, there is a lot of culture. I have to educate myself to not be to to understand what what is my friend believe. Right. Then I can treat him the way that he wants you to be treated. Right. This is this is the this is the big issue that we have right now. Everyone know about the Islam through the media. No one know about the Islam through going and reading about it. Yeah. 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 Well, even uh, even it, Muslims, even Muslims that don't, they're Muslims that don't read the Quran, that haven't read, that, that that only go with what's been told to them, and so there's no, you know, look, I I I do it all the time. Was poor Mustafa. I I ask Mustafa about things all the time. I shoot him texts, and I go, "Am I thinking about this the right way? Is this wrong? When you look at it from your from your perspective, is this something? Is this something? Is this something? Is this something? Am I missing something? I just sent him a text this week. And I go, "Am I am I missing something?" You know, and and he, you know, we went back and forth on it, and he was like, no, 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 you're thinking right about this. So, the 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 point is, is like, there's, it's not just, there's also, it's it's not, it's not a static religion either. It's not like, mm -hmm. but the pro, the, the but the the problem is, is that we have, it's like the Aryan Brotherhood is being fueled by big tax and oil money. <laughs> we have we have an extremist group that has access to to, to Saudi oil money. Yeah. And that extremist group of the Wahhabis, and they and they are just broadcasting all over, exporting, you know, all over the world. Look, Iran is a bad guy, right? Iran's a pretty bad guy, um, and and uh, um, and they, you know, they, they 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 cause their own problems. But the largest exporter of terrorism in the world is are the Saudis, not and not the Iranians, right? <laughs> right now, so it's just the way it is.
backing up to some of our, our, our talk about reading each other's uh, um, uh, religious text, I think some of what we're seeing here and hearing here is that uh, a lot of our polarization and uh, presumptions of each other and and things that you know misinformation that manifests itself into hatred for uh, one another. Some of it comes down to just a basic religious illiteracy, uh, both across faith and even within faith. We deal that we deal with that inside the Christian faith frequently, all the time. People think the Bible says one thing versus uh, what it actually says. So yeah. uh, I, I encourage you guys. I also want to flag and point out the fact that that, that John was uh, distributing uh, distributing. Uh, Qurans to evangelicals and uh, that looks a lot like evangelism to me John listen you know I know what like I, you know here's the thing when anybody I'll just I'm just gonna say it right now when anybody says what religion should I be I say Catholic because they have confession all right they've got it and if you don't grow up with Catholicism you don't have Catholic guilt so I think that's that's where to go all right if so, you're gonna if, if there's any religion that you're gonna be Catholicism's where it's you, at if you, you haven't just, grown you up just check it. in once a week or however often you need and then to, you go right? to confession and yeah, you say oh you know forgive me father spin sin they t- they they tell you to do a couple of laps around the church and you're good so um hail mary or something so that's so that's that's my disclaimer statement yeah, yeah. i want to i want to echo a theme I'll, I'll, go ahead go ahead well also the uh, another thing that i I was thinking about it since yesterday. I was—I mean, I've been thinking about it for a while. But is that the, the, the vocabulary they call, they're using a lot, and and different uh, uh, people are using that as a as a tolerating the other people of faith. I don't want anyone to tolerate me, and I don't want to tolerate anyone. It's a coexistence because if if it's a toler if you are tolerating someone, you're just waiting for the moment to get back there. Right. I don't want that <laughs> because I'm, I'm, you know, that's a, 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 to me that's that's a way to tolerate. I'm tolerating you until I, at the time that I have alcohol. This this should not work. I mean, it's a coexistence. Yeah. If if you I'm mean, if you weren't, I don't know, I might be wrong, but if you weren't educated as you are, every time you see you hear the news, every time you see a, a lot of issues that happening, and I'm around you, you would be oh, stuff is here. Yeah. You know, yeah. but we accepted that that we are coexistent. You are, you know, you have your religion. I have my religion. We are friends. We are living together. I'm not telling you to do something wrong, and you're not telling me to do something wrong. You know, we are happy to understand each other's religion and you know talk about. It. Yeah. And like John, make a joke out of it. Is is just is just the way we are living. One of the themes you guys mentioned earlier about how saying the relative to our understanding about Islam in the media, you know, someone walks in and shoots someone, it's, it's because he was Muslim or within your various Muslim sects, you know, someone did something, it's because he's Shia or it's because he's Sunni, quote unquote. You know, we have some analog to that within the Christian environment um, mm. r- relative to, and you guys may have seen this from the outside, Relative to some of the sex scandals that have happened over the last uh, few decades, uh, mm-hmm. so right, so when when the Catholic Church, uh, the abuse within the Catholic Church happened, all the Protestants, you know, sat outside pointing at the Catholic Church, saying, "Well, this is a problem because you don't let your priest marry, or it's uh, the the cover up is because of your top down hierarchy, and we mm-hmm. we more enlightened Protestant." evangelicals we don't have that problem because it's it's not in our system well it turns out in light of the me too movement that 
Um, it, it happens within Protestant circles too, uh, because uh, the Southern Baptist Convention, my own denomination, has been struck by it. And uh, even within the broader evangelical tent, there are two philo- uh, there are two philosophies uh, you guys may have heard of. One it's called complementarianism versus egalitarianism, and this has to do with how Christians view the relationship between men and women. Uh, particularly uh, how women are to be seen within the church and the family as uh, relative to man's authority and whether or not they can be pastors and and all that kind of stuff. But um, not to get into that the deep weeds of that, but the point is uh, when abuse happens in uh, one church over here, uh, people say, ah, see, it's complementarianism that's the problem. Uh, that leads uh-huh. to abuse X, Y, or Z. But it turns out, you wait a few weeks later, a few months, and it's happened in a church that uh, is demonstrably egalitarian. And so we recognize at this point in history that maybe the problem isn't necessarily our church structure, uh, although the things can, we can do to help it. Um, but you see the analog there? Like uh, we're, we're yeah, tribes yeah. pointing out the errors of something else, even though uh, the same problem exists within our own tribe. Well, just look at it this way. Crime happens in every country, period, Right. And, and if, if we're talking about ladies, you know, violence against women is a global global issue, global Certainly. epidemic, right? Yeah. If, it, if violence happens, if someone commits a crime in a Muslim country, it's because they're Muslim. If someone commits a crime in a, in a Christian country, they happen to be Muslim, it's because they're Muslim. If a crime happens, and crimes are happening all over our country right now, it's not because of their religion unless they're Muslim. So if a, if a guy, you know, you know, hits his wife, you know, and, and there's domestic abuse. If he ends up being Muslim, then that's the reason why he did it. It's not. And if he's if he's another religion, if he's Christian, then it's just because he was a violent man. He was this. He was that. He's a bad seed. There's a million other reasons. Yeah. So if, like like we can yeah, if we, we saw, just cut through it. Yeah, we saw that rationale for the what's basically who was basically an evangelical terrorist who who uh, attacked the the Poway the synagogue in Poway, California. He uh, was basically a Presbyterian. Uh, of, of all yeah. things, uh, reformed. He was Galvin, a Calvinist. Uh, he had obviously been infected uh, by things other than, we would say he was infected by things other than reformed theology, uh, white, uh, white supremacy, namely. But we don't parse that difference when we see a, a Muslim attack somewhere, right? Right, right. And, or, and, and it's, it's, but it's not just uh, the, the sort of egregious and high impact attacks. If it's anything that's like violence against women that happens in a Muslim country, then they go, oh, Islam is bad. You see, yeah, yeah. Islam is against women. Well, you know, like, and so when we took at violence against women in America, which is happening all across our country right now, no one's saying, oh, it's a Christian problem. It's a problem with Christianity or what people are claiming to be a Judeo Judeo Christian country. Right. Yeah. So, so, which I know Mustafa and I don't believe, and I don't think you believe either. You know, right. this is a multi-faith country founded on religious religious freedom. So we've all been here from, from the beginnings of our country. So, the, but the thing is, is it's it's a problem, um, and so, and it's part of our struggle. Um, I, I I know that. Um, you know, I think that uh, I had mentioned it earlier in the podcast, but you know, because I've got, I I remember someone coming out of a meeting at the White House. I wasn't in the meeting. Um, and he, because we had this long discussion about Muslims and, you know, and, and one of the, one of the special advisors said, well, Muslims have a, have a license to lie. They can lie and be deceptive, you know? And, and, and he goes, you know, explain that to me. 
Uh, and I go, what, what are you talking about? Are you talking about? And he goes, he goes, it's, it's, you know, he says, it's, it, you know, he's mispronounced, but it's Takia, which means, you know, that you can pretend to be another religion or not your religion in order to save yourself, right? In order to, to, to not, not get yourself killed, right? And and so he, that was a big thing, you know. Uh, he was like, well, you guys are born liars. I go, there's Jews in, 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 in Mexico that 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 are pretending to be Catholic. Um, so I, I, does that mean that somehow that they have, you know, and what's the Christian mechanism to do that? But yeah, in Islam, according to, uh, reform theology, we believe all people are born sin are born liars. So uh-oh. <laughs> if we, you, you just got to yeah, tell them that part. That's, that's the issue that they, I mean, some people, they have a misunderstanding of everything is Taki is having just, if, if there is a life and death issue, there is a, there is a guy with a gun in your head and you're trying to just get away from it but that that's a big issue uh we're we we are over time we've talked a lot about stuff we could easily go in the weeds on uh but i want to want to ask this question uh, to both of you we don't have to mention anybody by name but especially because uh saudi Uh saudi arabia and sunni have come up so much in this conversation uh is there someone who we might be able to welcome on as guest in the future to uh uh, bring a Sunni and or a Saudi uh, side of this conversation uh, and give us some insight into that and either agree and or disagree uh, with with either of you. Is there someone in that in that realm we could talk to? Yeah, I mean, I mean, I, like I said, as I, you I, both I, grimace and, and squirm in your seats. No, I mean, I have a lot of Sunni friends. It's not, it's not, uh, I mean, there's a differences between Shia and Sunni, definitely. Sure. Uh, there is a lot of, uh, you know, there are, there's a lot of ideological uh, issue as well. But that's, uh, my belief is that the issue is with the Saudis and Wahhabism. Yeah. I mean, yeah. if you can't bring a Wahhabi guy and sit down over there and tell you everything is good, <laughs> that's that's a different story, you know. I, we have very eyes, you and you know, John had a lot of Shiites and your friends that we are sitting and talking about issues. Yeah. It's not that's that's not the that's not the thing, is that the issue is with the Saudi Arabia. What is that what that is coming a lot is the Wahhabi issue. Yeah. That is just, you know, seeding to different countries. And I can you know, we can have another broadcast of telling you podcast of what uh, you know, where and how the, the different countries they are in influenced by Saudi Arabia and the Wahhabis. Yeah. So if you can bring a Wahhabi guy and sit down over there and tell you that hey everything is good, that's that's a different thing. Well I mean here's the thing is we're this is not a this is not a Shia podcast. This is just the the you know the the you know the, the our first Muslim guest happens to be a Shia. So that, that so that's one. Two is conspiracy. Is that, uh, conspiracy. Yeah yeah I know that's fine. I mean look if we had a Hanafi sitting here, a Sunni Hanafi or Maliki, we I don't I'm not even sure that there would there would be any disagreements. Um, um, I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure we would, uh, but, but the thing is, is that I think, yeah, we're going to get, uh, we're going to invite and, and have, uh, some of my, our Sunni brothers and sisters on, um, and, and talk about some of these issues. I mean, I think that, uh, it's going to, it's, it's a challenge when it comes to the difference between Sunni and Shia, but then when it comes to the difference, the interfaith differences within the Sunni community, you know, that, that's a whole nother nut to crack, yeah. um, you know, because, you know, I've had, I told you, I have conversations with, you know, with, about, with, with, about, about ISIS with, with Sunni, with a Sunni who wouldn't, wouldn't denounce ISIS. Right. And, and, uh, and they were, they were Hanafi, they were a moderate sect of Sunnism. And, uh, you know, 
Uh, it, it's Mustafa was part of those conversations. We were both like, "What are you talking about?" Um, but the point is, is that is that I think this is going to be so, there's there's going to be some interesting components there. But we're kind of softballing ball, uh, that the new season with trying to get to uh, you know crack the egg with the interfaith components. But then on top of that, um, we now have the Sunni the Sunni uh, the Shia conversation and the differences. You know, one of the questions that you threw out there was, you know, uh, what does persecution of Shia look like? And then are there militant strands of Shia tradition? Yeah. Yeah. Like, get, get, like, I, I'm, yeah. My, my sect, stop is laughing. My sect was uh, with the whole, whole point of, of my sect coming out of the Fatimid period um, in, in the 1060s was we want to get the Muslim, the Islamic enterprise back on track. And our way of doing it is, Anybody gets out of line, they're going to get the business. That was yeah, that's but, my sex. You know? <laughs> John, it was action or was it reaction? That's, a, that's the most important thing. I mean, I, I don't want to talk about politics. I it's just be talking about the religion. Uh, right. Uh, is, is that those militants that you are talking about, they were acting or they were reacting? Well, uh, that, you know, uh, it's, it's just uh, that that come you know, different uh, uh, issues is that uh, are you defending yourself? Which which we you know, if you if you want, we can have another conversation regarding that. Right. And opening it up and see exactly what is going on. Uh, obviously, any armed conflict is wrong. You know, let's say that uh, it doesn't matter is who is who is raising the weapon is wrong, uh, because the the line of conversation and the line of sitting and talking and communication is the best way to solve any issues. Uh, well, we're talking but, 1060. We're talking, you know, 100 years ago, you know, a thousand years ago. You know what I mean? Like it's, yeah. it's, it's it's a while ago. So I'm I can easily say that that once the the corruption was so pervasive within our our sect, we broke away, right? And and mm-hmm. and and even still, we sort of bunkered in. It wasn't like you know, uh, um, and and people know the reputation of my sect, you know. But in the 1240s, when the Mongols invaded it. It, the it, the sect ceased to exist in the form it did as a militant sect, and then transformed itself into what it is now, which is an international development, and and you know we built hospitals mm-hmm. and schools all over the world and so forth. But um, but it was also a product of the times when in, in the in the in the twelve sixties when things went 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 off the rails, people broke away and then armed themselves and and then established their own little kingdoms. Mm. That's exactly what we did, you know? Um, and and I th- and it's, you know, it's I think it's safe to say that. Now, since the 1240s, then that's, you know, 200 years after we broke away and and almost 300 years of of being really the bad boys on the block, we ended up transmitting ourselves and reinventing ourselves into a a sect that focuses on supporting you know nationhood uh all over the world and different populations from a standpoint of like i said education uh med- medical uh uh and international development projects like build bridge building and so forth so you know and you can look at the aga khan network and you can say oh my god these people are doing a lot of cool stuff they, they open up universities they open up hospitals and they you know they're in 110 different countries so it's changed, but the origins were to to meet the, the needs of what we thought the community needed at that point, which was a militant sect. Uh, if you read about us, it'll say proto-terrorists, 
it'll say that it'll say that in the book now the the difference is is that that period ended and it ended extremely violently towards us and towards the vice of Islam. and um where i mean th- where all those four hill forts were decimated and the population dispersed and when they reconvened they reinvented they 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 took the mission and said we and this has to do with the living imam right so the Pope at the time said, enough's enough with this. We've got to translate ourselves into something that is for the modern era. And and the action that we're going to take is going to be towards l- serving something larger than ourselves and helping communities all, all over the world. So that's that's what's that was the evolution. But we can't shy away from what the beginning was. And I'm not going to editorialize the, the 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 beginning of the beginnings of my sect of Islam. Right. Um um, and which we're, I'm very proud of, uh, um, but uh, but the int- the the issue, and and some people might say, well, that then you know that's what Islam needs right now. Well, is that's what we're doing? That's what Mustafa is doing. He opens up Shia Rights Watch. He's he's got a target on his back with Shia Rights Watch, yeah. you know, and and he's advocating for the Shia communities, and it's difficult and within the Shia community, let alone the outside the larger Muslim community. Why am I doing this with you? I'm doing this where I'm I'm carrying the flag and. And and uh, and I know that that I can say what other Muslims can't say, and and this is this is my my one of my my mechanisms for conducting inter and intra faith engagement to help bring the the community to where it needs to be. Because yeah, there are there's a, there's we have ISIS that's claiming to be Muslim, we have uh we have Wahhabis that are that are are leading our religion into down a down a path where if we get too far we're not going to be able to pull back. Yeah. And uh, and we have religious persecution all over the world. And that's just got to stop amongst our own community um, and 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 back and forth. So I think it's a a healthy evolution. It's just like saying my family comes from a family of crusaders. Well, they were picking up arms, but now they're not doing that theoretically. So. So. um, But I I don't know. Would you agree, Mustafa? Yeah. 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 Well, Mustafa, you have been you have been gracious uh, to take my my and John's heckling, and uh, certainly gracious with your time. We got to wrap up and uh, get onto some other things and let you go about your day. Uh, but uh, many many thanks for uh, taking the time to be with us on Crossing Phase. Thank you very much. I enjoyed the conversation. This has been Crossing Phase with Matt Hawkins and John Penna, a podcast of Roll Top Productions. If you like what you hear and would like to help defray the cost of the show. Consider sponsoring us on Patreon by visiting CrossingPhase.com. Crossing Phase is available on all your favorite podcast outlets, including iTunes, Google Podcasts, Overcast, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and TuneIn. We'd appreciate your review of our program, especially in the iTunes store. Let us know what you think of the show via Twitter, at MTHawk, at JTPinna, or at Crossing Phase. Music for this episode is courtesy Vajra, whose music is available at TheVajraTemple.com, Spotify, iTunes, and Amazon. Show notes for this episode and more are available at crossingfaiths.com.